They should have trade. They need to trade him to Latvia right now for uh, one of the Ball brothers. <laughs> for one of them, we'll take the futures on uh, Lamelo. Yeah, there you we go. don't want Leandro. He's trash. We'll take the futures on Lamelo. Cooking with jet fuel. Oh my gosh, that's electrifying. You're gonna get a lot of live action. Oh yeah. All right, we're here on the Shore Thing. Your host, Warren Shore, with you. Ryan will be coming on at 7.30. So lucky for me that, or lucky for you guys, I will have the first half hour to myself. Big show planned for you today at 7.15. We have Jake Burns from WFNY. He's a draft analyst for a website in Cleveland. So we will talk to him about the NFL draft. And don't worry, we're not just going to talk all specifically Browns. We talk, we're going to talk uh, positional groups too. So for the Cowboys, wide receivers, linebackers, secondary uh, guys along those lines that the Cowboys are going to need in the draft. And then we'll get into the quarterbacks and just just have uh, draft talk because the draft is on Thursday here in Arlington. The NFL is having some big draft experience out there all three days if you want to head out there. Then when Ryan joins the show, we are going to talk some uh, playoffs. The NBA and NHL playoffs have been really good. And then the Cowboys schedule came out on Thursday, and they don't start the season like they normally do on a Sunday night. So that's interesting for them. They start in Carolina on Sunday afternoon. So we'll take a look at the Cowboys schedule and see what they have coming up. All right, so I'm going to start the show off with a little bit something that Gary used to do, giving some shout-outs to some people. But uh, a couple of them are for a couple of my friends out there who are playing uh, or trying to make it professional golf-wise. One of them, Paul McConnell, he's actually been on the show. He was on last year in April. He uh, was a player on the Canadian Tour last year, and he's Played in two PJ Tour events. Well, on Monday, he Monday qualified for the tournament in San Antonio, shot five under in the Monday qualifier, and he. Uh, so he played in the PGA Tour event this week, had a good round on Thursday. He shot one under and then struggled a little bit on Friday to miss the cut, but still a good achievement for Paul because the Monday qualifiers are so hard. He shot five under and he got in on the number. Only four guys made it. There were 55 uh, guys playing it. Normally it's like a field of like 80, so it was a, a smaller field, but still five under was what the last spot made it in, and he made it in there at five under. So good, uh, good for Paul there, and we'll try and get him on the show to talk about the that in his upcoming season. He's got the first four starts guaranteed on the Canada Tour. Another guy who I've tried to get on the show a couple times and it just hasn't really worked out right now. I was going to have him on after the Eagles won the Super Bowl because he's from Philly and he wanted to talk some trash, so I thought it'd be pretty funny if he would come on, but we just couldn't make it work out. That's Alex Higgs. Uh, we've caddied together. He had his first ever professional start uh, on the web.com tour this week. He also Monday qualified. This one was a wild Monday qualifier. 200 people two different courses in mississippi for the web.com tour which is the uh tour right below the pga tour and he got in he shot three under on the one course there were 12 spots total uh six on each course shot three under had to play in a six-man playoff for the last two spots and he was one of the guys that won in the playoff to get in the web.com tour and for his first web event he got tied for 22nd they the fourth round was a washout he was one under on his uh front nine today but then it rained and guys they were never going to be able to play and they didn't want to uh have a monday finish so you just said you're finished for your after your third round will be what it is and he got 22nd and good news for him he got a start 
next week on the web.com tour. So we got a next start. So if you finish in the top 25 on the web.com tour, you're guaranteed a start in the next week's uh, event. So that's huge. So um, for him, the next start is going to be in Indiana. That is next uh, next week at the uh, Victoria National. Actually, that is going to be on the Golf Channel, too, so hopefully he's in contention. Get a little TV action for Alex. So we'll have to have him on the show as well. So a couple guys out there, uh, good luck to them. All right, so the Rangers this week, they salvaged uh, their series against the Mariners. as They won today 7-4. Gallo and Mazzara both hit home runs. Mazzara is like the hottest hitter. On the team, Gallo's doing what he did last year, batting about 200, hitting. He leads the team in homers with sevens, got uh, 14 or got 16 RBIs, pardon me, and doing what he normally did. So they won today, seven to four. Martin Perez got the win. He's been off to a shaky start this season. Uh, he didn't pitch that great. They had a chance to win on Friday night, but Keona Kelly came in and just let gasoline on the fire as he gave up a home run in the eighth inning uh, to tie it at two. And then in the ninth inning, you're like, all right, not terrible. We just, even though he blew the save, all right. And he gave up three runs in the ninth inning, uh, five to two, and then they gave up. Uh, Jake Diekman came in and gave up a single and allowed another run. So the Rangers lost six to two there. So not the best start as the Rangers right now on the season are 8 and 15 and they are in last place in the division. I know that's pretty shocking, but if you take a look at the standings, the Oakland A's who come into Arlington on this uh three-game series starting tomorrow night, the A's are one of the hottest teams in baseball. They're only 11 and 11 and 11, but they won four in a row going into their series against Boston, lost the opener, and then won uh yesterday and today against Boston. Boston going into that series is the best record in baseball. At sixteen and two, they leave that seventeen and four. So the Rangers, eight and fifteen, only team in the division without ten wins. And if you take a look at the standings, there's a lot of bad teams in baseball. Currently, they have the their the fourth worst record in baseball. The AL Central is by far the worst division in baseball. The White Sox have four wins. The Royals have four wins. They're just dreadful. Then the Orioles are six and sixteen. They're also in the dreadfulness. And then the Rays, Rangers, and Tigers are all muddling around a winning percentage of about 350. Then in the National League, you're thinking, all right, we, we might get a draft pick. So you got the fifth worst record in the National League. The Reds fired Brian Price this week. They're 3-18. and 18. They've lost five in a row. The worst record in all of baseball. Then the Marlins, everyone expected them to be the worst team in baseball. That's not the case this year. They are 5-16. and 16. They still could get it. Only a two-game lead on the Reds. But they are still pretty bad. And then you got the Padres, who have the same record as the Rangers. So the Rangers, you think, all right, we can tank. Uh, it'd be okay there. But, man, they're going to have to tank really, really hard if they're going to try and get a top three or four pick in the upcoming MLB draft. One of the bright spots I thought this week, though, for the Rangers was Matt Moore when he pitched against the Tampa Bay Rays, his old team. If you remember, uh, he is like, Second ever start was in the playoffs in 2010 against the Rangers and shut him out. So Matt Moore finally got his first win of the se- first win of the season. It was his first win in nine months, going back to his disastrous uh, year last year with San Francisco. He pitched really well, and that's a bright spot. He pitched seven innings, allowed one run. It wasn't earned. Had six strikeouts, two walks, allowed five hits. He's going to be a big part if the Rangers are going to. And be in the hunt again for a 500 baseball team, which I think really that should be the goal right now is just to get to 500. 
And he's going to be a big part of that. So Matt Moore is going to pitch against Oakland tomorrow night. Hopefully he can build a couple of starts together in Oakland. As we said, as I said, one of the hottest teams in baseball. And their offense, they're averaging like four and a half runs a game, which is pretty good. That's up there in the top half of the league. Another guy who Ryan and I have talked about a bunch on the show has been Mike Miner. Well, he pitched on Friday night the game that Keona Kella blew in the bullpen, and he gave a good quality start. He, this is what you need from Mike Miner if you're going to win some games from him. Five and a third, one run, allowed six hits, only walked a guy, struck out six. As we said last year with the Royals, he's a really good bullpen guy, but now they're trying to convert him to a starter. And Miner so far, ERA a 3.6 to start the season. That is really good, and I think that exceeds expectations of what uh, what uh, at least the fans thought. I but the, the organization probably saw this coming, or was hoping this is what would happen. But really, his worst start was against Houston on the 14th when he allowed five runs. But other than that, he's pitched uh, at least. Five innings, every outing, and he's given up one run in uh, two starts and then two in another. So pretty solid outing so far from Mike Myers. So that's a look at the Rangers. Also last night, the Oakland A's, some things around baseball that we can discuss. The Oakland A's, Sean Manaya threw a no-hitter. That is the A's first no-hitter since the Dallas Braden in perfect game on Mother's Day in 2009. So the first no-hitter of the year. Had a no-hitter today. The Giants, Johnny Cueto, had a no-hitter going uh, into the seventh inning, but he couldn't get it done. In that uh, Giants-Angels game, interesting uh, interesting at bat there. Brandon Belt, uh, 21 pitch at bat. The first time, that is the most pitches per an at bat in Major League history at 21. And if you take a look at like the game cast where they have all the pitches coming in and the strike zone, it is hilarious to see the pitches and how much how much little room there is in the strike zone. I'm looking. I have it right up. Now. It is so funny. There's only three balls, two in the at bat, which obviously there can only be that many. But on pitch nine, that was when the third ball was thrown. So from pitch nine to twenty one, that is when that is. Uh, he fouled all those off, and then he put the ball in play. The at-bat lasted for 12 minutes and 45 seconds, and he didn't even get a hit. He lined out to right fielder Cole Calhoun, and uh, Jamie Barrara was the pitcher. So you could say he won that you could say he won the battle, but I think Brandon Belt won the battle there because he made him throw 21 pitches and made him sweat for 12 minutes on the mound. So that is a wild at bat, and the pitch, the pitch game casting is really, really funny to look at. But so baseball so far, off to a good start. As I mentioned before, the Red Sox just taking a General look around the league. The Red Sox have the best record in baseball, 17 and 4. The Blue Jays, a notorious team getting off to slow starts. They're 13 and 8. And the Astros, the defending champions, 16 and 7. They have won six in a row. The offense is really heating up for them. They played the White Sox, swept the White Sox this week, this weekend, and they put up 27 runs in that series. In the National League, the Mets, a little bit of a surprise there, 14 and 6. But Mickey Calloway, in his first year as a manager, he is that has them off to a good start. The Nationals, 10 and 11, under 500. Another team off to a surprise slow start is the Los Angeles Dodgers. They're 9 and 10, and the Diamondbacks lead that division at 15 and 6. So the, the Diamondbacks giving themselves a little bit of a cushion against the Dodgers. Look, these games in April still count as much as the games in September and August when we come down to the pennant race and go into the playoffs. So it's good to build a lead now, excuse me. So if you have a couple of slip ups, in the uh, later on in the season, 
you are able to uh, stack those wins early on in the beginning of the year. All right, so the we got the NFL draft coming up. Uh, we have our guest coming up in a couple minutes here, uh, Jake Burns, as I said, uh, from waiting for next year. The draft is in Dallas, as I said. The whole draft experience is uh, out there. I guess they got some big. They got you can run the forty yard dash. You can do all this stuff. There is a lottery for draft tickets, and they said if you do want to go to the draft, you can go uh, in standby. Uh, there's you show up to the draft and you register for something by standby to get tickets on the in the draft there. But um, uh, so I don't know if you're going to be able to get in how many tickets they have, uh, how how you're going to get them by standby. People just don't show up or whatever. But if you want to go out there and check out the draft, one of the things for the draft I'm nervous about. I'm not going to touch on with Jake, but uh, we'll actually take a break here and we come back. We'll have Jake Burns on from waiting for next year to talk draft here on the Shore Thing on Talk Radio 1190. 90. All right, back here on Talk Radio 1190. Thanks to Jake Burns for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. And you should really go give him a follow on Twitter. Even, like I said, he's a Brown-centric guy, and he even said that he's from Cleveland. We're both Browns guys. As you know, you should still give him a follow. He's really good. Or go at least check out his writing on the draft. He's got all these uh, profiles on players. Um, and it's really good. A lot of in- information there if you want to uh, check him out before the draft is on Thursday. Um so that is that. All right, NBA playoffs tonight. Only one sweep so far, uh, and that was the Pelicans over the Blazers, Trailblazers. That is uh, a surprise to me, uh, and a surprise and a surprise to so many people uh, out there in the NBA. The, the Blazers were the third seed, and the Pelicans just swept them. They dominated them. Terry Stotts has now lost ten playoff games in a row. Um, and I did not know Terry Stotts had lost 10 playoff games in a row until I saw Mark Stein tweet out yesterday and they said his job could be in jeopardy. Um, so that's a fascinating thing. Elsewhere around the playoffs right now, Washington's trying to even up the series at 2-2 two to two against Toronto. They're up four with about a minute and a half to go. Elsewhere in the east, you have the Sixers. They're up 3-1 on the heat. The Sixers are rolling right now. I mean, they are the hottest team in basketball. They've Finished the season on a 16-game winning streak. Lost game two. You thought, oh, okay, is it going to be a little shaky here? And then they rattle off two in Miami, blow them out the first game, or the first game in Miami, game three, and then win a close one uh, yesterday. And, man, they are looking really, really good. And you hear them talk, and they don't sound like this is their first time uh, in the playoffs. So they're definitely going to be, obviously, I felt like they were the second team to meet in the Eastern Conference Finals with the Cavs. And then the Boston series, we'll get to the Cavs in a second. Boston series tied at two. I don't know really what to make of that series. Both teams have won at home as they should. 
and Giannis looks like they're back. I think the thing with Milwaukee, though, they have added Thon Maker in the starting lineup, and Jabari Parker's playing better. And Thon Maker uh, has really changed kind of the series for the Bucks. So if he plays like he did in Milwaukee in Boston for Game Five, I think Milwaukee is going to take the series. But Marcus Smart, though, they said he's close to coming back for the Celtics. So who knows with that series? All right, and then the Cavs series—they are down two to one against the Pacers. Game Five starts, uh, or Game Four, pardon me, starts any moment now, and. Um, they blew a 17-point lead. Really weird, their second-half offense. They just didn't do anything. Uh, they were slow. The pace slowed down. They can't make a shot. Like I said, last Sunday night on the show after they lost Game 1, really wasn't worried about the series because their defense uh, played well. They held Indiana under 100 points. Well, they haven't allowed Indiana over 100 points all, seas- all series so far. And that's been the big Achilles heel for the Cavs the last two years was the defense. The problem is they can't score. They have nobody that can make a bucket. It's LeBron, and then everyone up loves averaging like 15 points a game. He needs to get that up to 20. George Hill played aggressive in game three, but then went MIA in the his back spasm started, uh, is, uh, started acting up. So he's now out for game four. JR needs to step up a little bit. Everyone on the Cavs needs to step up, but LeBron was also very passive in the second half after the, he. Uh, the play didn't involve him or he passed out of it. He just kind of stood in the corner and waited to see what would happen, and he can't do that. And you're really seeing the problems with the Cavs of they don't have another guard that can create their own shot at the level of Kyrie Irving. There's only a certain few that can do it. But even if they said they had, like, Rondo or someone, playoff Rondo or someone like that, they got Jordan Clarkson. He can get to the hoop at nice times. But that's a big problem for them, I think. Vegas still has the Cavs as the favorite for the series, and I think I tend to agree with them. I hope I'm not being a homer on that, but um, I still think they're going to win the series. I might go. I think I'm going to go seven. I don't think they're going to close this out in six. I think it's going seven, but they still have the best player on the court uh, in the series. Even though Old Depot's playing really well for the Pacers, uh, they just need to play more of a pace and play freer. So. Uh, hopefully they do that, at least for my purposes, uh, tonight in Game 4 and can win and tie it up and then go back home and take a series lead. All right, out west, I already mentioned the Portland uh, Trailblazers uh, getting swept and the Pelicans moving on. Golden State lost today to the Spurs, so that series goes 3-1. Game 5 is on Tuesday night. This is a gentleman's sweep. The Spurs, this is the worst Spurs team in a, since they ever made the playoffs in 2000. They really need Kawhi. They're just out there playing hard. I mean, this is a testament to how great Pop is as a coach. He's just coaching these guys up. LaMarcus Aldridge this season has been unbelievable, and he's saving them. Ginobili found some the fountain of youth today and was lighting it up with them, and uh, it was a good game for the Spurs. They won. Then he got uh, Utah last night winning, taking a 2-1 lead over Oklahoma City. They play game four tomorrow night. Ricky Rubio was phenomenal. Don't even recognize him with the man bun and the beard. But he's playing great. Donovan Mitchell, amazing rookie to watch. You go watch him. The Thunder, Carmelo Anthony is awful. I mean, the guy is absolutely terrible. I mean, he's a brick. It's a brick house. Uh, guys on Twitter are playing brick house every time in a compilation video with him. It's absolutely hilarious. Uh, but he's terrible. Paul George played well in game one when he hit six threes. But he hasn't really showed up since. And Westbrook, there's only so much Westbrook can do. So they're an interesting thing in the Jazz. Uh, that series is going to be a good one. 
And then the other series is uh, Houston and the Timberwolves. Uh, Minnesota had a chance to steal one of them in Houston. Jimmy Butler thought he was going to get fouled on that three, but uh, just bricked it. So they won last night. Pivotal game four for them tomorrow. We'll have to see how that goes. I still think Houston's going to take this in five, but Minnesota they won their first playoff game in 14 years. So good for them, and they have the celebration, and hopefully they'll be able to uh, pl- make this a tough series. Like the NBA playoffs have been really, really, really good. Usually the first round, all right, a couple of sweep. You got like three sweeps, and you're like, oh, okay, are we really going to have to uh, wait till the second round? Like last year in the playoffs, it was pretty much all just every Cavs, Warriors, Cavs, Warriors. Which team is going to lose first? It ended up being the Cavs, but those teams, uh, the Warriors lost one game uh, in the whole playoffs last year, and the Cavs lost one going into the finals. So this year there's a lot more intrigue in it. If Steph's out in another series, I definitely think the Pelicans can give them a run uh, there. The NHL playoffs have been equally uh, fun to watch. And we will get to the NHL playoffs as we're here on the short thing. Warren Shore uh, is your Warren Shore here. And we will talk NHL playoffs and we will talk Cowboys schedule with Ryan uh, after this in our final segment on the short thing on Talk Radio 1190. If you are 55 or older, you could be at risk for macular degeneration, the leading cause of blindness in older Americans. But there are treatments available and things you can do to help preserve your vision. The Foundation Fighting Blindness and the AMD Alliance are working together to provide answers for those affected and for those at risk. For free information, call 1-800-734-2005. That's 1-800-734-2005. All right, back here on the Shore Thing, Warren Shore. We are joined by Ryan Silva now at his baseball game. All right, uh, give us a follow on Twitter at the Shore Thing and SoundCloud at the Shore Thing. A lot of good guests. If you want to go back and listen, we had the Bo Hostler's caddy on. Then we had uh, uh, Sophie Julia last week, this week, Jake Burns. So a lot of good stuff here on the Shore Thing. Go check it out on SoundCloud and iTunes. All right, Ryan, how's it going? Are you playing in the championship? We are. We got a nice six to five victory, uh, so we are headed to uh, head to the championship game. Probably start about nine p.m. So uh, just getting ready for that. There's another game to find out who we're playing, then we'll be in the championship. All right, good stuff. So we will talk NHL playoffs first, and then finish off with the Cowboys schedule. I don't know if you've been watching it at all of the uh, NHL playoffs. We just got done talking, or I got done talking about the NBA playoffs. Uh, they've been really, really good. A lot of overtime games. The Caps and the Blackhawks is the best series. They've been going to the overtime every single night, it seems like. They've gone four, uh, three out of the five games overtime. Uh, have you watched any of the NHL playoffs? Oh, yeah, for sure. I've been locked in. I've uh, been having a little fun. If he yes. up and going to the, yeah. making my trip to the window yeah. with, uh, with the NHL playoffs. So, uh, yeah, no, we've got some good, good stuff on them. Back in the Bruins a lot. They've been letting me down the last couple uh, last couple games. They went down, I think, yesterday to the Maple Leafs. They did. Three. They did. So that's uh, made that series what three two? Uh, it was but, four uh, three. Oh no no the, the, but the series. Oh the series is three two yes and uh, game five, game six is tomorrow night. Yeah in Toronto. I mean, yeah there's there's been some great uh, great playoff hockey. The Caps 
man, the Caps have made a nice little run here. Look like they're dead in the water and look, making like they're looking like they're making their usual playoff collapse. But uh, looks like they're back. They obviously they put themselves back in it. So. We'll see. That series will be fun to finish up. Yeah, and to me, this seems like typical Caps, though. They, they're down 0-2, win three in a row, and then the Blue Jackets will win the last two. And that will be the <laughs> ultimate Caps collapse. Yeah, I mean, hey, you got to kind of pencil that in. That's the way it's been going the last couple of years. So if that happens, I will not be shot. All right, so uh, we'll jump over to the Cowboys' schedule right now. It came out. Really, We're really not going to go... Uh, win loss, win loss. I don't want to do the schedule game, even though it's some for some people. So interesting. Like I said, they open up the first week of the season on the road against Carolina. A little Cam Newton action. Their first home game though is a Sunday nighter against the Giants, and then their third game road against the Seahawks. Five primetime games. They go at Houston. That's on Sunday night football. The Thanksgiving game is home against the Redskins. And Ryan, overall, what were your thoughts? Say. Have the 15th, they're right in the middle of the pack for easiest or hardest schedule. They're right at 15th. So no complaining about the schedule. They face the NFC South and the AFC South. Those are the two divisions they face this year. Yeah, it's, I mean, like you said, it's right down the middle. So it's, it's obviously, you know, you said you don't want to go win-loss, and it's tough already as it is to do that, uh, you know, this early because nobody has any idea. I'm sure you can make your guesses. But uh, obviously the two games I had circled on my calendar were, were the Redskins game. So the fact they're playing on Thanksgiving again, the second time in three years that the Cowboys-Redskins are facing off, um, that's always huge. It's always a fun uh, game for everyone to look forward to. But NFC South, I mean, we've talked before how they kind of beat up on each other, and that's a, that's a tough division. You know, you, can, you really don't know what to expect from the Bucks. Um, but obviously the Panthers, Falcons, and Saints are always around the mix of things. So those three games are going to be tough. And then what did you say, the AFC South? Or yep, AFC, AFC South. AFC South, I mean, obviously the Jacksonville Jaguars have turned things around quite a bit with their nice deep run in the playoffs. Uh, Colts, who knows what to expect them. We'll see if Andrew Luck comes back, but they're out there. Out of division games are going to be, you know, those are kind of toss-ups as it is, even not trying to play the win-loss game. Yeah. Uh, all right, so we talked draft with Jake Burns of waiting for next year, and what, for the Cowboys, do you think – uh, they're going to do in the draft or who – like we talked about wide receivers. He he said from 1 to 15, the receiver uh, part of the – like position is is deep and you're going to get a lot of good players in that. So you think they go receiver at 19 or does it depend on like if Baltimore takes Calvin Ridley? Do you think they're going to trade up? What, what do you think uh, is, is going to happen? Yeah, see, I, obviously I've been harping on the on the Christian Kirk thing. I've been on that bandwagon thinking that that would be a great move for them at 19, and chances are he's going to be there. But you've got to assume their number one choice is Calvin Ridley to replace Dez because he is a big-body type that can also go downfield. So if, I, I think if he's not there, even though Cortland Sutton would also be a nice pick for him, uh, I think it would be actually smart for them if Baltimore does end up taking Ridley to trade back in the draft and maybe try to collect another couple picks or so. I don't know who would be looking to trade up to 19 at that area. At that, uh, you know, the Patriots are always uh, the go-to for trading up and trying to uh, get the guy that they want. They have, obviously have the picks to do it. So I think if their number one guy isn't there, then you've you got to trade back. Yeah, and I think it all you won't find out who's going to trade up until Thursday night when who's still left on the draft. And the Patriots, I think, are going to try and trade up to get a quarterback. Like they don't, they usually always have a developmental guy. They got nobody. Their backup's Brian Hoyer right now, so they need a developmental guy. And so they're probably going to use one of those, uh, one of that that pick that they have there, and use some of the extra picks they have that well, that second rounder they got for Jimmy G, maybe as a, as for a quarterback. But I think they're going to be a team that is going to try and uh, get the trade up. But who do you think goes? Because, I mean, the 
you know, Josh Rosen, Allen, and Darnold are going to be gone. You, you really think they're going to go Lamar Jackson? I mean, he's kind of the fourth guy there. Mayfield's going to be gone by then. Uh, what Mason Rudolph? Yeah, but see, I'm kind of I'm on the fence with, with Rudolph. He's obviously got a big arm, and he, he was good at, at Oklahoma State. But uh, I just I don't know. I think he he's, you could probably get more value from him getting him in the second or third round. And I don't know if anybody's going to be jumping off you know out of their seats to make a trade to get him in the first round. But what happens when quarter, Browns take Darnold or Rosen or Baker at one? I don't think Josh Allen is in the mix. Uh, Jake, our draft guy, uh, said that he thinks it's for number four to drive up the value on the fourth pick if they want to trade down. So say uh, the Browns take a quarterback at one. Then what if the Giants take a quarterback at two? Then the Jets take a quarterback at three. The Browns are sitting there at four, probably hold the King's ransom, and the Bills, Cardinals, Dolphins, all these teams are like, man, we really need a quarterback. They're just going to move the needle. Or they're just going to really uh, pick up uh, – guys are going to – teams are going to start getting desperate. Remember the Christian Ponder-Jake Locker draft? Those guys went in oh, the yeah. top ten. So this, this could be another one of those situations. Yeah, you know, you're absolutely right. But I think teams might have learned their lesson from – I don't think they have. I don't think so. And it's baffling because that's not the only time that's happened. I mean, look at the Brandon Whedon draft. Too. Was that where was that the same – that's been drafted as Christian Ponder-Jake Locker? Might have been, but Whedon went like twenty-two. He was a late-round guy, late right, first I round. Mean. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I don't. You would think teams would learn from that, and you know, just grabbing a quarterback in the first round just to gut one, you know, who's at the top of the board. There's, I think, there's more value waiting if if you're you know, like the the top four guys we named in Rosen, Allen, Darnold, and and Baker are gone. I just don't know if there's any value going up to get Nathan Rudolph at you know, somewhere in the 20s or wherever it may be. Who knows? Like you said, they do need a developmental guy because they usually always have them, and they turn all of them away in the last year or two. So uh, I, I just, me personally, I just don't see the value in it, and it'll be interesting to see if Belichick agrees because obviously we know what he can do in the draft. Yeah, and like we, like I've said, and I think a bunch of people say, if a team's desperate for a quarterback, they're going to take one, and yeah. I guess I'd rather take one of those guys than – you're not going to find a Dak, and Dak had a good year, the fourth round pick, like good year's rookie year, but last year struggled, and yeah. I think the jury is still out on him on how how good he is, uh, at least in my mind. Yeah, no, I would I would agree, especially after he regressed last year. I don't know if it was a regression or just kind of uh, you know a whole team thing as a whole, but I, I agree. I don't see. I don't know if I see a Dak type. But I still, I still feel like maybe you can get somebody uh, that you can mold for the next two or three years, depending on how long Brady wants to play. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. And I just think the draft uh, in Dallas is kind of cool that it's where we're at here. Um, I just am worried that Jerry's going to try and make a splash, even though he doesn't need to do it. Like yeah. I think they need to keep both picks. They need that pick at 50 because they need to address two spots. And I think if he goes up, Look, if he goes up and trades for Roquan Smith, I'll give him a pass and say, all right, that's a good move, depending. Because yeah. he's going to have to give up number the second-round pick and then maybe a fourth or a fifth. But for Roquan, I would do that. But other than that, that's pretty much the only guy i do it for. Yeah, if, you, if they're trading up, it better be for a need and for an impact player that starts week one, like you said, like a Roquan. A Roquan or a, I've, even, I've seen them um, in the mentions of Zita Vey, which – uh, I don't think he's going to fall that far, but if they can trade up, obviously, and get him in that 
maybe 10 to 13 range because uh, they do need somebody clogging up the middle on the line. So, you know, that might be somebody. But if they do trade up and get rid of that pick, it needs to be somebody that's going to start day one. Yeah, John Montoka from the Dallas Morning News had his mock draft in the Sunday paper today. He had them trading up to 13 with the Redskins, giving up their second-round pick and drafting Derwin James. Yeah, something tells me that's not going to happen. Well, I know, and that's the thing. Like the Red, he did say he was like, usually you don't see those in in division trades, but he said when they traded, they traded with the Redskins for Demarcus Lawrence. So I guess anything can happen, but I don't really think that's going to happen. Yeah, that I mean, I, I if they do trade up, it will have to be in that ten to twelve range, like I said. But uh, it, I would be hard pressed to see Bruce Allen or Dan Snyder green lighting a trade with the Cowboys. Yeah, no, I I totally agree with you. There is there anything else in the draft you think that uh, is going to be fascinating to watch other than the quarterbacks? Uh, see where the four or five quarterbacks go if it's in the top. If it's like four of the first five picks, all five picks are quarterbacks. What what do you think is fascinating about this draft? Uh, I mean, it, it's going to be kind of obvious, but Saquon Barkley. I mean, it, it's it's baffling. I mean, we just went what five ten minutes talking about the draft and we didn't mention him yet because we have so many quarterbacks going off the top because these teams need it, and he's arguably the best player in the draft. I'm still saying the Browns should take Saquon number one. You're going to have your, you know, maybe not your pick at number four. Of You're going to get two out of the or one of the three big ones, Darnold, Rosen, or Allen, sitting at four, you know, assuming that the Giants and uh, the Colts take a guy behind him, which I don't think the Colts are in uh, on the hunt for a quarterback, they, they've been linked to um, who's a, there's a decent uh, uh, Bradley Chubb. He's another guy. Yeah, he's, you know, kind of see where he could. He's him and Saquon are kind of one and two as far as best overall talents in the draft. And it's gonna be interesting to see. You know, the two top guys may fall to five, six, or seven. Yeah, I agree. I I differ on you. I say you have the pick. You have the quarterback at one. Have your pick of the litter. Don't make someone else True. make the quarterback pick you had because that's happened in the previous couple years. And it hasn't worked out for you. But, like, Bradley Chubb, I think the Giants are really fascinating. What do they do? And then I think that kind of sets the dominoes for the next, like, four picks. Like, say they take Barkley. I couldn't agree more. Say say they take Barkley just to prolong Eli's career, which I think is stupid. Like, take the quarterback. Eli's on the downside. Um, Then, like, the Jets are obviously taking quarterback at three. And then I think the phones are open for the Browns at four, and then chaos happens. Yeah, yeah, the Giants, like you said, kind of is going to set the tone for the next couple picks, depending on where they go. And um, remind me of the Browns GM? Uh, John Dorsey. John Dorsey. I mean, he's even said his phone is turned on and he's ready to listen for trades. Do you think they could, they could possibly trade out of four? Oh, I think that's a big possibility, especially if the Giants, if two other, if, if Rosen, Allen, those guys are up there. Huge possibility they trade out of four. Now, if Chubb's there, I want them to take Chubb. Yeah, got to take him if he's there. Yes, but if not, and they get Buffalo's twelve and twenty-two, I'd be willing to listen to that because you got four, twelve, twenty-two, thirty-three, and thirty-five. Yeah, I think that's pretty good. All right. Well, Ryan, thanks for calling in. Good luck in the championship game tonight and about an hour. Uh, yeah. Manage strong. And thanks, everybody, for tuning in to this episode of The Shore Thing. Check us out on SoundCloud and iTunes, and we will talk to you with the draft recap next week. Have a great week, everybody. KFXR.